This is our new Asia series from Control Risk, our podcast that bring you insights from our in-house experts on the most pressing political, economic, and security risks that we see emerging in the Asia-Pacific region. I'm Dane Chamorro, a partner in our Asia business. From our offices across the region in Singapore, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Tokyo, New Delhi, and elsewhere, our team of specialist risk consultants help businesses that are operating and investing amidst a whole manner of challenges, including recovery from the latest pandemic crisis. Our offering includes political and regulatory analyses, vendor screening, strategic intelligence, forensics and data analytics, due diligence, crisis planning, and cyber response, just to name a few. Today, we're talking about cybersecurity in Asia and how businesses can navigate the complexities of emerging regulations in the region that governments here are implementing, often at breakneck speed, with minimal input from the business community, quite often learning as they go. Technology decisions are generally made centrally and they're pushed out from you know, headquarters out to the periphery. And so the problem is, is that you have technology decisions, but also information governance decisions that are made with no reference to local requirements. So we're not necessarily suggesting that they need to localize their entire operation, but we do think that they need to build up the capability to be able to be a lot more nimble on the ground to respond to these different requirements. That and more coming up in this episode from Control Risk's Asia-Pacific team. Today I'm speaking with Jim Fitzsimmons, the director of Control Risk Cybersecurity Practice based in Singapore. Jim is an old Asia hand. He's lived around the region and he's been a key part of the growth of our cyber team from just a handful a few years ago. As we've seen demand from clients increase for guidance on cyber issues in the Asian region. This includes things like advice on data sovereignty issues, localization, content controls for online platforms, cyber extortion, cyber breach, and the like. Asia is arguably the world's most highly digitized region in many respects, but quite often lacks the governance structures and security best practice that we see elsewhere. And of course, just in the last few months, use of technology skyrocketed during the lockdowns that have spread across the region. And this includes things like video conferencing and VPN use outside of the office, to e-commerce for online delivery platforms, digital payments, and the like. I started by asking Jim about how this has impacted cyber risk in Asia. The region as a whole was already far along in terms of developing and embracing technology. It's a key goal for a lot of policymakers in the region to kind of digitize their economies. And you know this has spurred it along, not in a way that they would have liked to, but it's something that most countries are looking at and they're trying to encourage. Now, what this means from a risk perspective, it's different when you think about it at a country level or a company level or, or an individual level. Because how we would look at this is that you know, cybersecurity risks, it's really driven by fundamentally who's out to get you and you know, what their capabilities are. And so when we look at that, you know, a country is going to have different kinds of concerns than a company or, or an individual. But what we would say is this, is that the cybersecurity risks hasn't gone down. It's just shifted. You touched upon how different sovereign entities are dealing with digital security and data sovereignty. We've seen it first in China, going back a couple of years now. We've seen it subsequently in Vietnam, in Thailand, in India, uh, all with slightly different approaches, some geared toward privacy of the consumer, so a bit more along the EU GDPR line, some very much like China geared toward control of data by state authorities. How do you see that playing out for our clients, the corporates who are operating across a region, and how they 
can best comply with regulations that might be actually you know, quite different from one jurisdiction to another. When we look at the region, it's a region that has embraced technology and a lot of the countries in the region see technology as a key means of you know, achieving their next stage of development. So mobile phones have had an incredibly rapid adoption and those sort of consumer focused retail applications have really grown at a blistering pace. We've seen this also in things like digital payments and delivery and those kinds of applications that, that are designed to, to sort of facilitate commerce and stuff like that. So we know that, that the technology is increasing at, at, a, at a rapid pace here. From the state's perspective, they look at this and they see risk. They see risk in terms of who could be out there who's finding out information about our people. Are they going to be trying to manipulate our people? So people look at the, the U.S. 2016 elections and they see efforts by a foreign power to manipulate the U.S. electorate. We've seen the same thing has happened here, you know, notably um, in Indonesia with the Jakarta gubernatorial elections a couple of years ago. We saw it happen with Malaysia and the last elections. And in a much more insidious form, you saw this also happen in Myanmar, where messages were going out on a social media platform that you know, drove purges and pogroms that, that really were frightening to, to see and to read about. So there is this larger risk around information and how technology is being used that the state looks at and they see that you know, they're losing control of a narrative, losing control of a medium that's in their country that really has an impact on their people. So very broadly, it's the concept is digital sovereignty. And you know, what we've been working on for the past few years, mostly in China, but we've started to look at also Vietnam, Thailand, India, um, just in few, is digital sovereignty risk. So this is this concept where the state, they look at technology. It's not that they'd want to control technology. They want to encourage its use and its adoption, but they also want to make sure that their own objectives for how they think their society should be run and how their politics should be managed they start setting rules for that. And you know, that's around you know, technology rules, around cybersecurity, and then also rules around information. And the most obvious examples are on personal data. So they look at what happened in the US with the elections, and they suddenly become very, very comfortable if a foreign power or a foreign company has all this information that they can access at their fingertips on their electorates in those countries. So, you know, some of these countries can have very brittle societies that, you know, they're very diverse, but also they can be internally contentious. Many of them have problems or issues that maybe go back a long way with their neighbors. And so this aspect of controlling this and understanding this, they want to manage it. This, it's a problem for them that they need to solve. So that's and effectively their digital sovereignty programs are meant to mitigate that. For companies that operate within that context, they become caught up in it and they need to be able to comply with those kinds of requirements. And we've seen that becoming a problem for our clients. So it's ironic that a fairly highly networked region, fairly highly networked societies, even relatively poor societies, you mentioned Myanmar, uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, but still high, very highly networked, much more so than some of the OECD countries, and the concern on the part of government around the manipulation of political opinion or whatever it might be that have happened in other parts of the world. It's ironic that actually, as we know, the level of spend on digital defense is actually incredibly low in Asia compared to other jurisdictions and particularly compared to North America. Uh, the government seemed to be preoccupied with control of access and in some cases, privacy but probably more the former rather than the 
latter. So I guess my question is, why do we think that's so? And do we think it's going to change? And, and is it going to happen in certain sectors or others, perhaps by regulation or fiat, government fiat or otherwise? And if not, I guess, why not? Well, so, I mean, you're exactly right to, to zero in on that. that. That fundamental question around, you know, what we would call the sort of the, the maturity of a cybersecurity program, um, the maturity yes. of, of how of how those kinds of technology risks are being mitigated. Look, it's generally pretty poor across the region. And, you know, again, going back to our experience in China, you know, we have you know multinational clients who have you know fairly mature programs in comparison to a lot of their Chinese peers are much more security focused. Governments recognize this. And so, you know, what we've seen is that in the region, we have the early adopters, the fast movers who focus on digital sovereignty. And that's really China and to a degree Singapore as well. They've started to identify what are the kind of requirements that countries need to have to manage these kinds of cybersecurity risks. So, you know, outside of the region, aspects of, you know, cybersecurity and, and best practices and, and certifications, those are not very prescriptive. It's usually a third party standard. But in the region here, because the, you know, the level of security is, is, is rightly perceived as being very low, the states are trying to change that by making very specific requirements. So China is by far and away the leader in this. And this is something that, that has an impact on a lot of our clients. But Singapore also has, you know, has requirements around cybersecurity. Vietnam now has requirements around cybersecurity. Thailand now has requirements on cybersecurity. So that aspect of seeing this problem and fixing it in a top-down kind of way is something that you know we see across the region from various levels of sophistication. And that's really driving a lot of changes because what happens is, is that for companies, now it becomes, okay, I have to do this. Or if something bad happens, I have to report it. And these are the kind of things that most private sector companies around the world haven't had to deal with, and it becomes a challenge. And that's a, a natural segue to... I think as a final question, what would be the top priorities? You know, if you said, here's a top three list or a top five list for not necessarily a, a cyber or digital expert, but from a corporate management perspective in the region, here are the top things that you should do or pay attention to or make sure you have ticked the box on. What would those be? Good question. And, and it really it comes down to organization. People have moved to a shared services model, right? Technology decisions are generally made centrally and they're pushed out from you know, headquarters out to the periphery. And there isn't that, you know, there is, a, depending on the industry, right, because we know that financial services is, is heavily regulated all around the world. And so they really have the tools to manage these kinds of things. But, you know, other, other sectors, not so much. And so the problem is, is that you have technology decisions, but also information governance decisions that are made with no reference to local requirements. And the challenge is, is that, you know, how do you identify what these local requirements are? What is a gap analysis between those local requirements and what you're doing at the corporate center? And look, to be honest, in many cases, a recently developed cybersecurity program by a multinational is going to meet all these kinds of requirements. But where it starts to fail is the governance and being able to respond to local regulatory changes and local regulatory action. So when we talk to our clients, we're not necessarily suggesting that they, they need to kind of localize their entire operation, but we do think that they need to build up the capability to be able to be a lot more nimble on the ground to respond to these different um, requirements and be able to, to assess their current compliance, the risk around that, and then being able to, from an organizational perspective, assign the right kind of resources to manage it. So to summarize Jim's points here, Asia, particularly at the consumer level, is a highly digitized region 
governance structures and security have generally been lax to non-existent, therefore increasing risk. Many countries in the region suffer from potential political or societal fracture, and this has driven regulatory demands for greater control of data and content. And for corporate state of governance, weak spots are often at the local level, since standards are quite often set at headquarters. Thanks all for listening. This was another in our new Asia podcast series, and we'll be back with more in the coming days. In the meantime, please go to our website, controlrisks.com, for more analysis, or you can subscribe to all our podcasts on Acast, iTunes, or Spotify. Just search for Control Risks.